0: there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to freedom. I really battle sometimes with the new year because a lot of times the the biggest thing that we want to talk about is like new year's resolutions. Like what am I going to do this year differently than I did last year? And the statistics show that 60% of us make uh, New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions. 60% of people make New Year's resolutions. I'm not going to go into the percentages of how many actually fulfill it. I won't go into that. Okay, because we're going to stay positive here. Right? That gym membership, that had, you had great intentions. And seven days later, you're like, why did I do that? Right, so... Making a resolution is not a bad thing. Making changes is not a bad thing. In fact, looking at a calendar and saying, I'm going to make some changes in this day, is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Right? The new year is an opportunity for many of us to improve our lives in more than ways than one, whether it's health or finances, Relationships and even career changes. You know, we want to kind of get some things lined up. This is not who I was. Looking at 2019, this is not who I am. I really want to move into this. I really want to get into this business so that I can move my way up. These are all things that we set our sights on in December. A lot of times we set our sights on it in December. We start saying, what, what is it that I want to do? What is it that I want to find myself doing? And hopefully the reality of God, bring me closer to you is in that conversation, right? Because in one way, shape, or form, every one of us has to get closer to God. None of us have reached. None of us have reached that pinnacle of holiness. And if you have, see me after service. I really want to know how you got there. Right, the holy mountain. You got up that holy mountain. Well, none of us have really gotten there. But the biggest question that, has to, that each follower of Christ has to ask is, where is God in the picture of 2020? Where is he fit? The real question shouldn't be where does God fit. The real question should be is, where am I fitting in God's plan? Am I in God's plan? Well, rest assured, you are. So everybody take a big deep breath and say, whew, I'm in God's plan. <laughs> That's good, right? You are in God's plan. He's not forgotten you. That's a good thing. But we often look at it like this, God, how can I fit you in my schedule? Well, really, we should be asking, God, how can I answer your call? So allow me for a moment to bring this message simply entitled, Restored. Restored. That is the theme of 2020. That is our church theme and it is part, uh, based out of 1 Peter chapter 5. But I also want to talk about getting to that place where you should be, where you are meant to be and restored in proper order. So if you would allow me to define this for a moment, to be restored or to restore means this. To restore is simply to to return to former or original state. To return to former or original state. This is where I was supposed to be. This is where I was meant to be. You with me? God had a plan, and laid it out, and I was supposed to be here. This is what I was supposed to be doing. But somehow something has misdirected me and I've taken this other road. And, but Lord, restore me back to you, amen? There's so many scriptures that point to God restoring us and to return us to our former state is God's will for us. I found this amazing passage in Isaiah that I wanted to read with you. And so I I found it and I I found it so important I put up on the screen. Isaiah 61 says this, verse seven, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. How many are ready for a double portion? Okay, three of you. How many are ready for a double portion? Oh, that just doubled. That was amazing. A double portion means not just a portion I had, but a portion that, uh, that is uh, obviously doubled. But it's twice what I had. It's twice of what I expected. It's two times that amount. And so instead of disgrace, you rejoice in your inheritance. I don't know about you, but I serve the God of the instead. Did some of you get that? I serve the God of the instead. Instead of curses, you will receive blessings. Instead of just a portion, I will give you a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will receive inheritance. The God of instead says you will inherit a double portion and everlasting joy will be yours. Somebody say amen for that. The new year is a great opportunity to to grab onto that joy. And the number one priority you should be setting yourself up for is the commitment to Jesus in 2020. Hello. This new year and this new series, these two-parter, this week and next, week, we're going to be talking about restored as, a, as God bringing you to a place where you are meant to be. I want you to understand something. Every one of us in this room need restoration. There's not people that are, you know, I'm good, I'm good, because we're really good at telling ourselves we're good, convincing ourselves we're good, when we know we're not. Are you with me? Right? I'm good, Pastor Tony. How you doing? I'm good. How many ever said I'm good and the moment you said that, your, 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 your spirit said, liar. Come on, honestly, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Everybody, raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about? You ever said good just by reflex? That's what, you, that's what that is, right? You go to the doctor, he knocks you and you're like, phew, phew. you know what, how are you? Good. That's, that's what that is. It's a knee-jerk reaction. I'm good. But are you good? Are you really good? No, Pastor Tony, I'm not good. But what am I supposed to do? Tell them everything I went, everything that went wrong this past week? They don't have time for that. You ever met somebody that will tell you? And you're like, whoa! I, I didn't expect that. All right, and so we get trigger shy. We don't want to be that person. But let's be honest. Look at me. Let's be honest with ourselves and our God. If we're not good, talk to somebody and say, I'm not good. I, I, I'm i struggling in this area. Can we make 2020 a year that we actually are honest with ourselves and each other? I need restored. Pastor Tony, I'm not good. I need restored, but I know God is restoring me. I know God is helping me. There's a way to do it where you're not feeling like you're so needy. There's a way of just saying, you know what, God? I need God's encouragement right now. I'm struggling with this. See, our faith... And life is a gift. God gives us faith. And we say, well, how is faith a gift? Let me tell you something. Faith is a gift because you don't have to see it. Fact can be a curse sometimes. Is that true? You know what I'm talking about? Fact can be a curse because what we can see for sure becomes a burden. Because that's the only way we determine that something's in line. But when we have to believe, all of a sudden it's a Oh my god, I don't see this. I don't, I really don't. Lord, I, I just I need you to help me to see it. It's faith. I don't know if I have it. When I talk about restored, I want you to talk about, I want you to hear this. When believers believe, good things happen. When believers believe, good things happen. When you believe that you must be restored, the best you becomes available to God. When you say, God, I know I need restored today. I need you to restore me today. The best you comes available. You ever walked into a store and were looking for something and you got the last one. Raise your hand if you ever went to the store to get something and you got the last one. You were like, "Woo! That was close. Right? One day I went to the store and I got the last milk on the shelf right before we know it was going to be like a snowstorm. I got that last milk. I was like, whoo, look what I got right here. Thinking about going outside, selling for twice the amount. You got to work it sometimes. I'm just kidding. Three times the amount. But what I'm saying is, all jokes aside, when you get the last one, you're thinking, I got it. I was just in time. Or you're that one dude that walked up when somebody else got the last one. You're like, oh five seconds too late the question is how many of us are living our spiritual lives like the second person I see somebody else walking off with a blessing are you hearing me somebody else walking off with the, what you think is your blessing God listen God is ready to give you your blessing but you got to show up at the right time hello God wants to restore that joy. The number one priority you should be settling in your life this year is the commitment, the commitment to following Jesus every day. And you know, I found this interesting passage because there's a story of a life that was restored because believers believed. How many believers in the house we got today? Yeah. Believers believe. Listen, for all of you that call yourselves believers, when believers believe good things happen, how many heard about the Shunammite woman? We, found, we find this woman in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. So I'm not going to go into the whole story. The whole story is very long. But the, 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 the crux of it is this. There's a woman who believed that Elijah was the, was the man of God I'm sorry, Elisha, forgive me. Elisha was the man of God. And so this Shunammite woman knew that Elisha as the man of God can do things that only God had given his people to do. And all of a sudden, her son had died. She was the one that would host Elisha when he was in town. She was his Airbnb. Right? Right? Before Airbnb was a thing. She was his Airbnb. He would show up and he would stay at her house and he would be the man of God. He had his room. And one day her son passed. Long story short, she says, I need to go see the man of God. She ran out to where she knew the man of God was. And that's where we find ourselves in verse 25 of chapter 4. I'm going to read it. And follow along with me. 2 Kings chapter 4. Grab your Bibles. Come on now. Grab your Bibles. I don't have it up on the screen. I just have the reference. I want you to see it with your eyes. Here it is. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her at a distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite." Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Basically, go see that she's okay, right? Everything is all right, she said. Hello? Hello? Her son just died. Everything's not all right. But you know who she was telling that to? She was telling that to the other guy, not the man of God. She said, everything's all right. till she got to the man of God on the mountain. Right? She's telling, she's telling the, the right-hand man, no, everything's okay, everything's okay, everything's okay. Then she gets to Elisha, she's like, everything is not okay. She gets to him, and she says to him, when she reached the man of God, verse 27, at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord had hidden it from me and not told me Why? Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said. Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. So Gehazi did exactly as the prophet Elisha had intended. Can I tell you something? Let me pause for a moment before we go into the rest of this text. Don't let anyone distract you from your mission God has called you to. You say, why, why did Elisha tell Gehazi to do such a thing and be rude? No. He's on mission. Don't let anyone pull you from your mission. Don't let anyone tell you something that's going to pull you away. And pull you from God's will. So you know what he said to him? He said, take my staff, tuck in your cloak and run. Just run. And he ran and he ran and he ran. And he said, whatever you do, don't talk to anybody. Get to this boy. And he did. He ran and he ran and he got to the boy. And so here's where we pick off. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face and there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him the boy is not awakened. We got a situation, right? When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and laid on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hand. And he stretched himself on him and the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room. Then he got on the bed and stretched out his arm once more. And the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. And when she came, he said, take your son. She came in and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. And she took her son and went How intimate are you with your miracle? You know what he did, right? In modern culture, this would be, first of all, completely inappropriate in American culture. We have a hard time standing too close to someone. But desperate times and desperate measures and the prophet laid on this boy, eye to eye, mouth to mouth, and he laid on this boy And you know what he did? The spirit of God that was on him. awakened this boy. And restored his life. When you hang around dead things. Death becomes the norm. Elisha had life. And when he laid on this boy. He wasn't just breathing Elisha breath. He was breathing God breath. Right in his face. How close are you to your promise? Some of us haven't received because we are too, watch this now, too formal in our faith. This right here would have just rocked this family to not have this boy anymore. Can you imagine? Losing a child like this? Some of you know what that feels like. And I don't ever want to know that feeling. She ran to the prophet. She ran to the man of God. She ran to where she knew resurrection was available. She ran to where she knew restoration was available. And this man came and he breathed life into this boy who was dead. Look at me. Dead. He was dead. Scripture is very clear. And I want you to know something. I need you to hear what I'm saying to you. That your promise is a breath away. Your promise is one breath away. But you got to be willing to lay it down. How much of God's promise is deep within you? Buried. Buried. There's a difference between being planted and being buried. Your promises are not buried. They're planted through your trials. You are not buried in 2019. Your trial and every pain you went through was planted so that 2020 can be better. God takes everything you go through and uses it for the good. There's never a wasted pain or a pointless struggle. Everything you went through, God wants to restore it double portion. Are you believing that with me? I could be the only one, maybe six of us, but I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna believe 2020 to be a year of restoration for you and your family, but I can't be the only one. Come on, somebody. I can't be the only one. I want to believe with you. I want to partner with you in your home to be restored by God. So I want to tell you what a few things a restored life does. Can I do that? A few things a restored life does. Write this down. Number one, a restored life is a selfless life. When it comes to following Jesus, the first thing we need to remember is our life is not our own. Hello? We don't go to church so that someone could help me. We go to church to fulfill God's will because maybe you're a blessing to somebody else today. If it's always about you, you're missing it. You missed it. If all you go to church to do is receive, 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 you're a consumer. You're not a member. You're not a partner. But what about what God has through you? Not just for you. There's somebody that you're supposed to pray for. There's somebody you're supposed to believe with. There's somebody you're supposed to encourage. Give them a big hug and say, you know what? You're on my mind this week. You ever had one of those hugs from somebody or a handshake from somebody and said, how are you doing? I've been thinking about you this week. You all right? And even if they didn't say too much after that, you felt good about it. There's something you're supposed to give somebody. The moment we make church about us only What can I get? What songs do I like? What, what, that sermon? I don't know, Pastor Tony, you got to preach this a little better. Or I want to, you know, let me make this about what I like. How about what is God honored by? What is it that I can offer him? Lord, here I am. What can I offer you? Our life is not our own. Yeah? Our life is not our own. Paul makes this point in Ephesians 2. He says, You were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And you, where you once walked in the trespasses. Listen, you once walked in trespasses and sins. And let me take a moment here because before the death of Jesus, we didn't have life. Yes? Before the death of Jesus Christ, we didn't have life. And so... We were dead in need of God's restoration. We were dead in needing God to restore our lives. And I don't want, I don't want smoke and mirrors. Listen, friend, I want a restored family. I want a restored home. I want restored finances. Everything that's mine, I want God to, to bless that for me. Not so that I can just hoard it, but I can give it so I can be it, so I can exemplify what it means to follow Jesus. Yes. I don't want smoke and mirrors. I don't want to fake like I'm alive. I want to live life. Everything we speak in our actions show whether we're restored or not. Second thought is simply this. The first one is a restored life is a selfless life. The second thought is this. A restored life has purpose. If you're looking for purpose, you need to be restored with God. Apart from Christ, we are dead in our trespasses. Psalm 51.5 says this, and I think we had that verse. Psalm 51.5, it says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. I want to define, because some of us maybe don't understand this, uh, just a bit of theology teaching for a moment. The difference between sin and iniquity. How many ever heard of sin? Is you have heard of sin, right? Most of us. How many ever heard of iniquity? but the truth is that most of us don't know the difference between the two so allow me to teach for a moment we could throw that throw that slide up here the difference between sin and iniquity is simply this sin is the action that is opposite god's will right iniquity deals with the character or the nature of that act so sin while it can be something that you didn't do sin can be uh there's a sin of omission You realize that, right? There's something I should have done, but I didn't. That could be sin too. So it's not just the act of, but the act of not doing when God wanted you to do it. That can be sin. But iniquity deals more with the character that is shaping you, the person that you are. Iniquity causes you to do the sin. Iniquity is what's going on inside of you that directs you to make the decisions you make. So he says, listen, we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. It's bad news. Here's the good news. But Christ. Hello? But Christ. So watch this. There is a, a situation here that arises. Sin distorts your purpose, but God and his mercy restores the call back into your life. Now let me kind of put it like this. Once there was a man who was driving with a friend. They both worked in D.C. and he wanted to treat his friend at dinner really didn't know the city very well, unfamiliar with the city, he missed the turn to the restaurant. And as he missed that turn to the restaurant, instead of turning around, he, he turned into a massive parking lot. Immediately the passenger suddenly became very upset. He said, we can't be here. We got to leave right now. The man said, why? He said, because this is the Pentagon. And almost immediately, three vehicles pulled out from all directions trying to figure out where this car came from. He turned the wrong direction. Hello? You ever turned the wrong direction and said, how did I end up here? Well, this guy turned the wrong direction. Unintentionally, might I add. But unintentional or not, you're in the wrong place, and he was met with plenty of security. When you go down the wrong turn, in a secure zone like that, believe you me, you will be met with opposition. Unintentional. You can say, listen, I made a wrong turn. That's fine let me see proof of who you are let's see right so they're not just gonna be like yeah so go ahead turn around they're gonna find out who you are first why it's unintentional you still went where you shouldn't have been and in that respect there's a lot of us sometimes that we don't realize that we're going the wrong direction unintentional or not we're going the wrong direction it's still affecting us is that right unintentional or not, it's still affecting us. And God is saying, listen, you're going the wrong way and I'm trying to show you, but you are so stubborn. You know you're going the wrong way. You want to go ahead and do the turn yourself. Depend on me and let me show you how to get out of that. So what am I saying? I'm saying sin has a purpose. You don't have to necessarily walk the right way all the time. When you walk the wrong way, that's still part of something God wants to keep in check. Amen. God wants to keep us in check for the things that we do and also the things we don't know we're doing. Number three, when God wants to restore us, a restored life brings hope. In truth, a restored life is buried in hope. A restored life says, but God, right there. We look at verse, uh, let me see, verse five through eight. We're we're told clearly about grace. Anybody ever heard of grace? (laughs) No, not your friend in high school. I'm talking about grace like in your life. Right, You know what I'm talking about? Grace is God's unmerited favor is one of the most common terms but I want to go a step further and tell you that grace is God's favor that empowers us to overcome what we're going through. It's not just God saying, hey, you can have this even though you don't deserve it. Grace is also empowering you to live a life full of purpose and destiny. Who wants to live a life full of purpose and destiny? I know I do. I know I do. You know you can't get there without being restored, right? You can't live a life of purpose and destiny without being restored. So restored life brings hope to you. It brings hope. And it reminds me of a story of a man who walked out in the frozen lake in Lake Michigan. The initial step into the frozen lake is an act of faith. But it's not his faith that keeps him from falling into the freezing water, but the thickness of the ice. Hello? Right? It's the thickness of the ice. That, the stepping out, that's the part that's, that's up to him, right? The ice will do the rest. How thick is your faith in your God? Well, that's maybe one answer. But how, how awesome and powerful is your God that's able to sustain you? Remember that verse I read earlier in 1 Peter? He will set you on a What? Firm foundation. See, when you step out into a lake like this, it's frozen. Stepping out is your part. Not falling in is the lake's part. That frozen ice, that, that place where you're standing will determine whether you go in or not. What are you standing on today? Because if you stand on something that's other than Christ, there's a good chance you will fall in. But if you're standing on Christ today, I want you to know something. Our faith is our part, but the source of strength only can come from Christ. Amen? So let me share this thought with you, this fourth thought. Restored life is a gift. Real simple. A restored life is a gift. Let me wrap this up for you for a moment. Like grace, restoration to our original state is the goal. God God gave us grace and forgiveness. Look at me. God gave us grace and forgiveness, not so that we can brag about how cool we are, but to bring us back to the original state he intended for you. Did you know he had a great plan for you from the beginning? Did you know that he had an amazing layout for you? The question is, do we want that layout for ourselves? So we find ourselves realizing, God, this grace is a gift it's a gift. And so, what are, you, what are you receiving as your gift? Friends, the markings of a restored life is this. When we talk about 2020, who do you see yourself as when you look in the mirror? One of two things. Either you see yourself as someone who's dead or you see someone who's restored looking for more. You're either restored or being restored. And there's a lot of people that walked into this room. You're in the process of being restored. But might—they may be just a few people that walked into this room. You have not trusted in God to be your restoration. Can I tell you something? Everybody else will fail you. But the Lord Jesus will not. Amen. Right, one more verse I want to read to you. And it's out of Psalm 51, verse 12. Psalm 51, verse 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You know, I've heard it said before Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Yeah, I get it. The scripture tells us the joy of your salvation. You're the Savior. We want to make everything about us, right? Naturally. It's not just my salvation. It's the fact that you saved me. You see the difference there? It's not just my salvation. This is my salvation. How about restore me the joy of the fact that you saved me? It's about you. The joy of your salvation. And grant me, me, what's my part? A willing spirit. That's my part. Your part, God, it is to give me joy for the salvation that you've given me. My part is to be a willing spirit to sustain me. Because you had those weak moments. How many had weak moments in 2019? How many had a coworker or somebody you wanted to tell them what you really thought? And then you came to this altar like Jesus, I told them. Forgive me. You've all been there. We've all had those moments of weakness. But I want to tell you right now. His salvation, my willingness. Are you hearing me? His what? Salvation. Say it again. His. Salvation. My. Willingness. His. Salvation. My. Willingness. His salvation. my willingness. He's already willing. And you didn't save yourself. So don't get it twisted. His salvation. But my willingness. Amen? Father, thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you that you show yourself true and you are a great God. Lord, I thank you that you want to move in our lives in 2020. Thank you that you want us to be a people that are desperately in need of a Savior. Wanting to experience the love of God. I pray today that each of us would want to see a move. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, help us to desire to see the plans of God unfold. Lord, restore us to the place we meant to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all of God's people said,